Good morning, Sunnyside. Feels like it's been a little bit since I've been up in this pulpit. I've preached a few times outside, um, but most gloriously, I'm so thankful to be sharing this pulpit with Pastor Joel and his excellent teaching and pastoral leadership for Sunnyside. It's good to be here today, although if I'm honest, I'll tell you, I feel today as I approach Job like I'm shaking in my boots a little up here. (laughs) This is not an easy series to preach. It's not an easy subject to talk about because I think, in fact, our suffering is so close to the heart of God because I believe so much God is with us in our moments of hurt and heartache and loss. And because I think words matter, right? What we say up here, what we say to each other, it matters. And so I take very seriously this opportunity and our chance to dig into the character of Job in this series in preaching. So I want to begin with the same three core assumptions that Pastor Joel has been using throughout this series as well. I think they're very solid and really important that we stand together in these core assumptions as we move into and read through Job so that we can hear together and speak together and live and learn in God's word. The first being that we believe God turns evil to good and that this story of redemption is at the core of who we believe God is. The story of redemption is who God is. The second, that we may not all go through quite exactly what Job encounters, we all go through struggle, and we all need a plan to respond when tragedy strikes. The third, that since faith keeps God at the center of all things, that God is at the center of heartbreak and tragedy with us. So as I read through Job in the 38th chapter, I I read with these core assumptions of God being able to turn evil to good, that we all need a plan to respond to tragedy because we will each struggle and hurt in different ways and that God is at the center. Listen now for the word of the Lord in the 38th chapter of Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that the flood of waters may cover you? 
Can you send forth lightnings so that they may go and say to you, here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the waterskins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie wait in their covert? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? This, friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me, please? O holy and gracious God, God who comes in majesty and God who comes in mystery, so come to us now. Lead us into these deep waters, O God, that we might know and trust more mightily, trust your hand in faith. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Job. We read through Job in junior high a couple of weeks ago, and a couple of the students said, Job. An easy mistake to make, right? We don't hear a lot about Job in church, and I think that is probably because it's a difficult story to tell. In church, we often want to come and hear the good news, we want to celebrate together. We want to come to feel better, to feel good. I do. Do you too? We come telling the stories of Moses parting the Red Sea, of Jesus turning loaves and fishes into enough to feed the masses, to hear sweet stories of babies, born to Mary and Joseph in a manger. But it's hard to hear these stories of Job. It's hard to wrap it up and to make it sound good. It's hard to put life application to it even. But here is Job. He's a father, a husband, a successful business person, he has it all until one day he doesn't. Everything is lost. Everything is gone. Wiped away, almost in a mere matter of hours. Job is left alone. Job is left hurting and in grieving and calling out to God. So this isn't really a feel-good story. And sometimes it's even hard to read it and know how to feel better through it. But I do think this maybe is why Job is, in fact, one of the most compelling people in the Bible, even though we don't talk about him much. Those first two chapters of Job, they tell the story. They talk about Job 
and tell his story about what happened, who he was, what he lost, how God was a part of it. And then he spends 37 long chapters with a couple of friends detailing his loss, yelling out to God his lament, arguing with God, why has this happened to him? He doesn't hold it back. In fact, he becomes so accusing of God that his friends become a little defensive for God. They hear Job saying, what have I done? And they start to sit beside him, perhaps with a bit of a side eye, saying, right, Job, what have you done? Think a little further. Go a little more deeply. Isn't there something internally, something inside that you've done? Because isn't God just? Job calls out to God for justice, to make things right. But his friends point instead to his life. They try to bend his life to fit into the way they think God really is. So here in this chapter, when we begin in chapter 38, is the first response after all these long chapters of lament and argument, tears and loss. God answers Job. He takes this question, why, what have I done? And he answers. Now, did you notice in that text a sympathetic and uh, I'm sorry response from God? No, yeah, I kept looking for it. <laughs> Did you notice in that text an answer for what has happened to Job and the suffering that he's gone through? Nope, me either. <laughs> Instead, God answers the question, by changing the question. Now, let's be clear. If this were a narrative taken in a pastoral care class in pretty much any seminary around the world, the person would fail. This is not an acceptable response. What happened to empathy, right? What happened to name it, to tame it? What happened to saying, Job, I see you? I know you're hurting. I know what you've lost. This is not what they taught us in seminary. No, instead, God answers the question by changing the question. Robert Alter says in his commentary series, God speaks out of the whirlwind. Out of the whirlwind is was first coined with the New King James, and it's become so popular that it's continued to be told in that way. But a more accurate depiction would be to say God speaks out of the storm. So out of the storm, God responds to Job with two chapters detailing the beauty of creation, the design of the sun and the moon, the stars, the animals and the earth that surround Job. Instead of answering the why question, God answers him with who. 
God answers Job by taking him on a tour of creation, showing him all the world that surrounds him. I think it's kind of interesting to note here that in all the creation stories told in Genesis and the Old Testament, typically humans are the crown jewel. Typically in those creation stories, the climax of the story comes when God creates humanity and shares relationship with humanity. This creation narrative, when God answers Job, is the one place that's different. Because when God answers Job, Job is not the center of the story. Job, however, gets to go along for the ride, putting him in a different place than any other part of creation. Job joins God on this tour of the cosmos to see the sun, the moon, the stars, to see all the created life. Job sees it from the eyes of God. So yes, this is a surprising response. And maybe you, like me, have a little bit of agitation with this type of response. It wasn't what I was taught. There's a lot of it that doesn't feel good or right to me. But I invite you to join me because I think as I hear it, there's a little bit of me that I want to lean into that says yes. Yes. Answering the question of why with not an answer, but with who, I think this is how God is leading us forward. And I think Job, in the end, was satisfied with this answer, too. Because faith is beyond reason, which doesn't mean we don't try to find reasons. I am certainly guilty of wanting to understand pretty much everything. My parents, my family, my friends will all tell you my life has been riddled with the why question. I need to know the answer. So maybe that's a part of the reason that hearing God answer with a different question altogether is a bit of a relief to me. God's answer is less why and more who. More who is God that created all of this? Who is God that fills all of this and sustains all of this created order? Who is God that has invited us to join God on this journey? Because in a moment of crisis, I don't think you or I often want understanding. I think we want to experience God. And at the center of all our call to be the church maybe isn't as much about coming up with answers for these questions, but instead it's coming knowing that we can ask these questions, knowing that we'll be heard in this space knowing that it's okay to not know the answer to every question. I think God is inviting us in this text, in this story. God is inviting us into a, into a, a storm 
a place where things are not always known. They're not easily explained, where the right answer isn't always quick and easy at hand, but there is space for the unknown. I think this is similar to the journey that the people in Exodus had. They saw God lead them from, deliver them from slavery and lead them into the desert. But in that place, they had to realize they could no longer turn back to the safety of the slavery they had known. They had to move forward. And to do that, they had to find a new vision of God a new image of who God would be for them and who God was for them. For God was calling them forward into the promised land to be a new community together. It's a new faith. It is a deeper faith. It's that same faith, I think, that Mother Teresa talked about in the dark night of the soul, Pastor Joel mentioned last week. It's this faith of the Israelites. As they wander and look as they're lost and as they lose their loved ones. It's the faith they have as they make space for these difficult questions. They hold on to the unanswered questions, and they hold on to God, knowing that God holds on to them. And this, I think, in fact, is very hopeful indeed, that even in the midst of the unknown, even in, midst, in the midst of the questions, hope comes to us. Hope comes to us to hold us. And it reminds us in all the chapters of Job, even after Job, who spent 37 chapters asking God why, hope comes. We can always ask for more. We can always look, and God will find us. And this, I think, is in fact very good news. So today, as we gather and as we continue to read through this, the book of Job, as we look into what suffering is for you and for me and what suffering means to God, I think we look around and we are challenged to create a space for one another in this community where we can ask questions that don't always have answers, where we can bring our faith to God, bring our agony and our angst, bring our joys and our hopes, bring them before God. And I do believe, in fact, God hears and sees and knows. And we know this through the person of Jesus Christ. For just as Job was invited to join God for this tour of the cosmos, so we have been invited by the person of Christ. Invited to know the God of this universe, to find hope in the midst of our heartache, and to look around and to see the glory of all that God has created, and to know that we too are a part of this. So whether we come today asking 37 chapters, questions full of why, or whether we come ready to lean into the who, who has been with us, who created us, and who leads us forward. We can come with the hope that God calls us to life. No matter how we ask, no matter what we ask or how we say it, God leads us. He 
he is the one who is with us. And that is a great hope indeed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.